But we're in a new series for a couple weeks here on identity. As I said last week, I really think it's important to always go back and preach the gospel without any contamination. Go back and really go to the heart of the gospel. What is the good news of the gospel? And we do lots of um, series here at Karis New Testament Church. I always try to tie the gospel in the way that we do series, that it's by grace and not by works. Um, you know, a lot of the, uh, the Bible is filled with, with great um, perspectives on life, how to live life, how to, how to be successful in life, how to deal with circumstances, all of that stuff. But that's really not the gospel. The gospel is what Jesus Christ provided on the cross. And what in the gospel gives us a hope for all those other areas of life. The gospel makes the promises of God that we preach and we, we try to live by, it gives it substance. You understand that? So we're going to continue speaking on the gospel, on the gospel of grace of Jesus Christ, because in that, we find our identity, who we are in Christ Jesus. So much, so much of our life is ruled by the way that we see ourselves. You know that? If you see your Adam and Eve from the very, very beginning when they chose to um, be their own gods, to choose for themselves what was good and what was evil, it changed their perspective on how they seen themselves, didn't it? And because of the way that they seen themselves changed, the way that they seen God changed. They went from walking with him in the cool of the day to hiding from him in the bushes. And that totally explains why so many people run and hide from God because of their identity, the way that they see themselves. And Jesus came to give us a new identity that we are not sinners hiding in the bushes, but we're saints seated with the king. Amen. So last week, we had some fun, right? Last week we seen that the believer does not have a sinful nature. Did you know that? I mean, before last week, did you know that you did not have a sinful nature? That there wasn't a dual nature in you, even. That part of you was good, part of you was bad, and you always had to fight against the old Chad, against the new Chad, and, and you're schizophrenic. Some days you're a sinner, and some days you're a saint. And no, that's a lie. Propagated by the devil and propagated by man-made religion to keep you in bondage. You are a saint. You are the righteousness of God. You have a new nature of Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, what? Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Have become new. And how did we see that last week? Last week we looked at the amazing type and shadow um, of what happened to our old sinful nature, how? Through, through the type and shadow of circumcision. Circumcision. I mean, I don't know how many times you've had a whole message on circumcision, but now you can say you did. How many of you went home and they said, so what happened at church today? And what did you hear about at church? We talked about circumcision. I mean, this wasn't God's, I mean, this wasn't our idea. It was God's idea. It was God's plan from the foundation of the earth. He, he, it was his way of um, portraying the covenant. So how do you know that you're in the covenant of God? Because you have been circumcised from your old sinful nature, and the new and fresh has come, right? 
you have been taken um, from the darkness into the light. You are now have a sensitive heart that is sensitive to the things of God. And it's a pu- circumcision is a beautiful imagery of what God has done to our inner man. And it's amazing. It's amazing. God has given us a new identity. And today, we're really going to drive this home. We're going to drive this home um, today. So, is everybody ready? Here we go. Well, let's pray. Let's pray first. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are an awesome, awesome Father, that your wisdom is just amazing. You have engrafted, you have immersed us, you have baptized us into Christ Jesus. And we is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives through us. We are filled with the very presence and nature of God. Father, this morning as we go through your word, let faith arise. Let faith arise that we see ourselves in Christ and no longer in the old sinful man. And we receive it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So last week we used the, the imagery of circumcision, but Paul uses another imagery of the cross, of, of the crucifixion, um, to, to make the same point about what has happened to our, to our old man. And then Romans chapter 6, verse 3, starting out in verse 3, it says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into his death? So let's pause here for a second. What does that mean, baptized? Does it mean we were dunked in water or sprinkled with water? No, it's talking about being submerged into. It's talking about that mystical union that God put humanity into Jesus. You were submerged into. You were baptized into Christ. How were you baptized into Christ? And you were baptized into Christ and baptized into his death. You see that? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Baptism means to dunk. It means to submerge. We were baptized into him into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father... Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, there's that word knowing again. Knowing this, that our old man was, past tense, crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So there we go again. Do, are you, if you ask yourself, will I ever be free from sin? Well, were you baptized into Christ? Were, were you baptized in his death? Were you baptized in his burial? Were you baptized in his resurrection? Then you are no longer a slave to sin. Most people sin because they think they have to. Do you see how transforming your mind, renewing your mind... To the faith in what Jesus Christ has done, this is a faith. Believing, right believing leads to right actions. We are no longer slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Have you died? Yes. When did you die? 
in Christ. You died in Christ. You submerged, were submerged in Christ. You were baptized into, in Christ. Do you know this? Look how the, the complete Jewish Bible translates this. Don't you know? See, that's highlighted, so you know we're going to be talking about that. Don't you know? And the th- problem is, is that most people don't know this. We don't preach the gospel. Don't you know that those of us who have been immersed into the Messiah, Yeshua, have been immersed into his death? Through immersion into his death, we were buried with him. So that just as through the glory of the Father, the Messiah was raised up from the dead, likewise we too might, be, might live a new life. For if we have been united with him in his death, in a death like his, we, also, we will also be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was put to death on the execution stake with him so that the entire body of sin, the sinful disposition might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin for someone who has died has been cleared from sin. I, I love the way that that translates it because it takes the word baptism a baptism, you know, baptism, which is a very religious word because some people think that if you're not baptized in water, you're not saved. We actually, our kids went to a Christian school for a little bit and um, one of our daughters came home crying because she thought she wasn't going to heaven because she wasn't physically water baptized. And water baptized does not save you. Spiritually baptized, spiritual immersion into Christ is what saves you. That's just a declaration of your faith. Physical baptism. Water baptism. Amen? See how man-made religion just makes everything something we must do? We have been immersed into Christ. We have been cleared from sin. We have died to sin. Our old self was put to death on the executional stake in Christ Jesus. And it's all by God. This is that victory we sung about this morning, that he went and fought our victory for us. Don't you know? Don't you know? This is something that we need to know. We need to know. And you're thinking, well, Chad, yeah, I've heard this. I've read this in the Bible. I, I know this. Well, do you? See, the word no does not leave any room for vagueness, but implies full understanding and absolute assurance. Are you absolutely assured and you have full understanding that your old sinful man has been circumcised, has been crucified, and that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, a new life you now live in him? Do you know this? See, because when we know this, our circumstances will change. The way that we look at life will change. This is believing the gospel. This is having faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. There is a big difference between hearing and knowing. Do you know that? There's a big difference between hearing and knowing. If you're a teacher, you know that. Because you know you taught this stuff to the kids. But when they took the test, they didn't. They just heard it. They didn't know it, right? 
Jesus said, what did Jesus say? Did he say, he didn't say you shall hear the truth and the truth will set you free. He says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's only the truth that you know that has the power to free you. You can believe a lie all your life. You can be sitting in the prison cell of of life with the door completely off the hinges. Your entire life thinking that you're a prisoner to sin, a prisoner to the old life, a prisoner to depression, to fear, to all of this stuff. You can sit there as much as you want. And you can quote scriptures. But if you're just parroting them, if you're just quoting them because you heard them, or you think this is what you need to say, but you don't know it, it doesn't produce action in the way that you see, speak, and live. It, can't, it, won't, you, it won't set you free. It's only the truth that you know that sets you free. It's not just hearing, but knowing, accepting, believing the truth that sets you free. Do you know the number to call in case of an emergency? Or did you just, if you just heard it? If you had an emergency, what number do you call? You call 911, right? What happens if you heard that? You heard that there was a number that you call. Some, sometime long ago, you heard that the, there was a number that you called, and all of a sudden you had an emergency. You might have heard it, but if you don't know it, you can't call it. See, the difference between hearing and knowing is the difference between life and death. Right? There's lots of things we hear in life, but how many things do we know? Genesis 4.1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bared Cain. Eve did not get pregnant because Adam heard about her. Right? He knew her in the biblical sense. Do, do I need to spell this out? I mean, the way that you guys looked at me about circumcision, I, I th- maybe, just in case, this is how the voice translation puts it. Now Adam and Eve discovered the pleasures of lovemaking. And soon Eve conceived and gave birth to a son whom they named Cain. See, knowing, knowing is a very intimate word. You you have relations with it. Knowing this, knowing this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. This knowing is an intimate word that causes conception and life. There's a lot of things that we teach from the Word of God that people hear, and they could even tell you that they know, but it hasn't produced life. It hasn't, they haven't embraced it as their own. There's a huge difference between knowing and just hearing. 
Have you, have you just heard this, this verse, or have, do you know it? Let's just take this right here. Knowing this, he's even telling us we need to know this. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Do you know this? Are you intimate with this? Do, is this now become part of your identity? That my old man was crucified. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a saint. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That I have the nature of Jesus dwelling within me. Do we know, I, I can tell you that most of the church don't know this. They're not intimate with this. It hasn't become their identity. Because we struggle with sin just as much as anyone that has never heard this before. We don't believe the gospel. And unfortunately, most people have never been told this. Most people think that you're, you lose your old sinful nature when you finally get to heaven. Well, the truth of the matter is heaven is now. Jesus says the kingdom of God is in your bellies. It's inside you. If you know it, you understand it by revelation. You accept and believe it. It has set you free. How will I know that my old man was crucified? How, do, how will I know that my old man was circumcised? How will I know that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus? How will I know this truth, when, when this truth is a reality in my life, you'll be free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Make you free. How do you know when the promises of God are real in your life? You'll be free. You'll be free. See, Jesus said some very harsh statements, and I'm going to say some stuff here that might sound mean, but it's, it's the truth. Jesus says, when you ask anything in my name, believing, you shall receive. And I'm going to just use myself as an example. Whenever Chad asks for anything in Jesus' name and does not receive, I don't what? I don't believe. Why do we have such a hard time with this? See, I have no issue. I have no issue. There's lots of things in my life that I'm believing God for, and I haven't seen it yet. So that means I haven't believed yet. Jesus says, whenever you ask anything in his name, believing, you shall receive. We need to get to a place where we believe. We trust. It, has, it becomes our identity. It's what we see. It, 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 without a shadow of a doubt, we believe. We trust in what God has done through Jesus Christ. And what's wonderful about the mercy and the grace of God is what? When we say, help, I believe, but help my unbelief, Jesus is there with his mercy and grace. He meets you wherever your faith is. Where your faith is. And he gives us the faith to believe. We just have to 
put our minds on the Word and minds on what He has done rather than our circumstances, what the news media is saying, what the world is saying, what our family is saying, what our wife says, what our husband says. Let every man be a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. And sometimes that even includes you. You're the liar. You're lying to yourself and not believing what God has said. You always remember what the Word says. You always remember that you were crucified and that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It stays clear to you, and you own it. You own it. You could even teach it to others. Verse 6 says, Knowing this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Do you know that this morning? We need to understand the following. If, this, if we need to know this, right? It says knowing this. What, are, what is this that we need to know? We need to know what is our old man? What happened to it? And when did it happen? And when did it happen? What is our old man? Our old man refer, refers to the unregenerate, unregenerated, not reforming or showing repentance stubbornly and rebelliously wrong and bad. That's the old man. He was in Adam. It was created in Adam. The part of you that was dead to God and under the control of the sinful nature. It was beyond help and beyond hope. Why? Why was it beyond help and hope? The old man was born dead to God. The old man was a slave to sin. The old man was controlled by the sinful nature and was unable to keep God's law because it only wanted to act contrary to the law. Look at Romans 7.5. In Romans 7.5 it says, When we were controlled by our old nature. When we were controlled, past tense. You used to be controlled by your old sinful nature. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. Sin used to dwell within you. Now sin is without you. So why did, we're going to teach this here in a little bit, but why do Christians still sin? Because of outward desires. Before they were driven by their sinful nature. Now they are tempted. Before sin was within them. Now sin is without trying to get in. Why? So it can produce death. Our old self, the old you was enslaved. A prisoner that was not right with God. And had no hope of living for him. So many people think that Jesus showed up. That Jesus just showed up to give you a makeover, you know, to dial you up. I, I love the extreme home makeover when that show was on because that was no makeover. They demolished the home and constructed a brand new house. Jesus didn't make you over. He didn't come to make good, bad people good. He came to give dead people life. You are a completely new creation in Him. You once were dead, but now you're alive in Him. Wouldn't it have been awful if Jesus didn't take care of our old man? 
I mean, really, what would have Jesus provided if he didn't take care of an old man? He took care of our old man. He thanked God he took care of our old man. And because he took care of our old man, we need to know something else. What happened to our old man? How did he take care of it? It was crucified with Christ. We, we, were, we were united by the Holy Spirit in this mystical union in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How did God do that? I have no idea. But the Bible says that we were united in him. It's as if everything that happened to Christ happened to us. Do you realize that? Jesus died your death. The wages of sin are our death, and he took the full wages for our sin. Through humanity's sin. And in Isaiah, it actually says that he is a double payment for sin. That Jesus was a double payment. So where sin abounds, grace can superabound. Grace can much more abound in your life. Even though we did not go through this, through this physically, we reap all the benefits. And that's why we can be more than conquerors. Our old man was crucified and was killed, dead, and gone. So when did this happen? Knowing this, that our old man was crucified, when did this happen? It does not say that our old self is being crucified, does it? We're not constantly being crucified or that it will be crucified one day or that we've got to continue to crucify ourselves, does it? It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified. The pa- it's past tense. It's already happened. It was crucified. You have been set free. This should be good news to you. But the problem, reason it's not good news is because you spent all your life thinking, I'm just a sinner. I'm never going to be free. You've spent all your life believing a lie, and right now you're thinking, if this is true, why is this, this, and this like this in my life? And we're going to tackle all that. We're going to look at why Christians sin. We're going to look at uh, uh, the truth of the gospel is a Christian actually can continue to sin. You know that? But it's gonna, it opens the door to Satan. It opens the door to death in your life. Why would you want to do that? If you're free from sin, why would you want to continue in it any longer? Right? I mean, we talked about that in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians where, where Paul is talking to the Corinthians and they were going up and visiting temple prostitutes. Right? In this day and age, we'd probably have this church filled if if we practiced like the Corinthians did. But they were were (laughs) visiting temple prostitutes. And Paul says, you are the body of Christ. You are united with the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the living God. Shall I then take the body of Christ and join it with the prostitute? And he says, no. That is your immersion. That is your baptism into Christ. That when you sin, you are so immersed into Christ that Christ is sinning along with you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. 
It, we, we, our religion teaches us that God comes and goes, comes and goes. You know, we can't have any babies crying during the service because you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just flaps its little dove wings and flies away. No, it's us that gets distracted. It's us that gets annoyed. Do you understand that forever, for all eternity, Christ has married himself to you? He has married himself to you, and he will never leave you. God says, I hate divorce. Do you know why God hates divorce? Because marriage represents him, Christ, and the church. And God, you don't ever, 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 ever have to worry about God leaving you. You might choose to leave God, but God will never, ever choose to leave you. And tell you the truth, if you try to leave him, he's going to chase you down. Amen. See, it doesn't say that our old man is being crucified. It doesn't say we've got to continue to crucify ourselves. This was a one-time action, and it can't be repeated. Christ doesn't show up over and over and over again to die for your sins. Do you know that? Do you see how ludicrous some of the stuff that we believe about religion? That you can be born again, lost. Born again, lost. Born again, lost. That you have to continue repenting. You know, repentance doesn't make you more saved. All it does is, is keeps your conscience clear with God. It's just like at, at saying, I'm sorry. It, it, it's, it's, wiping, it's wiping your conscience clear of that action that you did that was contrary to your identity. It's saying, Lord, I just did this. I repent, and repent means to change my mind. I repent. That is not who I am. That's not what you call you called me to live. I repent from that, the way, that way of living, and I move forward in my identity in Christ. This is a one-time action. But I'm sure that you've heard that you're supposed to be people telling you that you need to crucify yourself daily. We have to die to ourselves daily and to the old sinful nature. And what they do is they use verses out of the Bible that's totally lifted out of context. How many of you ever heard that you need to uh, crucify the old man? That every morning you need to, you need to crucify the old man and w- walk in the spirit. If you've been around the church any time, you've heard it. These are the scriptures that they use. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and this is Jesus talking, and Jesus, he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Oh, I got to take up my cross daily. I got to crucify myself daily. I have to beat down that old sinful man. No, you can't beat down that old sinful man. That's why Jesus came. So what is, this say? what is this saying? The New Living Translation puts it this way. Then he said to the crowd, if anyone, any of you wants to be my follower, just you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. This is not talking about us needing to crucify our old sinful nature. But it's talking about self-denial. We daily need to de- deny our own wisdom and seek God's wisdom and direction for our lives. So who was Jesus talking to at this time? He's talking to Jews, right? He's saying you have to forsake your way of being right with God. 
you have to forsake all the religious things that you think makes you right with God. You have to give up your way and follow me. You have to give up the urge for you to be in control and let me be in control. You have to give up the urge to only trust in self and trust in me alone. Is that something that's hard to do? Yeah. We see it right now. We see it that we have a hard time trusting that our old man was circumcised, that our old man was crucified, that we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The very foundational truth of the gospel, most Christians have a hard time believing. That doesn't make it untrue, thank God. We can't save ourselves. We need to stop doing man-made works to earn God's approval and trust Jesus. Self-denial is only good when it's denying ourselves for the single purpose of exalting Jesus. You realize that? We, th- we, we worship self-denial. We think if I go without, if I do this, somehow it makes me a better person. The only, the only purpose of self-denial is where you're denying self that Jesus might be exalted. Everything else is a waste of time. If you're fasting, I've heard people talk, you know, they boast about their fasting. Jesus says if you fast, you need to put some oil on your face, wash up, clean up, and make it look like no one knows you're fasting. Because they used to beat their drum that I'm fasting, I'm more spiritual than other people. Fasting is no good if you're not exalting Jesus in it. Giving your money to the poor. What did, what did Paul say? If I, if I give all my money to the poor, but not I don't have love, God's kind of love, it profits me nothing. If I'm not exalting God, exalting Jesus, and doing it for the purposes of his kingdom, it profits me nothing. Self-denial. Some people get off by saying, I don't watch any TV. Well, good for you. It doesn't make you any more holy or righteous than other people. We think that denying ourselves makes us holy. It doesn't make us holy. Jesus Christ makes you holy. Now, there's some things in life that the Holy Spirit might come and say, you know what? This is distracting you from your identity. This is distracting you from where I want to take you. This is creating ruts in your mind in the way that you think. This is not your identity, so I'd stay, you should need to stay away from this so that Christ might be exalted in your life. But we fall into so many man-made religious things. We think if we do certain things, we get God's approval, and that's a lie. And I know you guys do it. There's certain things you don't do in life because you think, because I'm a Christian. And it doesn't make you a Christian. Some have made a religion out of self-denial. They take pride in their denial. But they don't glory Jesus. They're not glorying in Jesus' lordship. 
our cross that we must bear is to take God's word, which is his will, and exalt it above our own will in every situation that we face every day. Do you do that? Do you pick up your cross? Do you exalt the word of God over every single situation that you ever face every day? Are you exalting Jesus as Lord over your life? This is, I don't know if you're getting this or not, but this is huge because this is, this is the foundation of the gospel. This is our identity in, in Christ Jesus. And, you, and I've heard people say, well, I know Paul. Paul said that, we, that he died daily. We need to die daily to self. Oh, really? Is that what Paul said? That we need to die daily to self? Even though he wrote over and over again that we were crucified, the old man's dead and gone, that, um, that we were circumcised, the new man has come, but somehow we need to die daily? Well, Jesus, well Paul did say he died daily. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, he says, I protest by your, re, by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If you go to read this in context, I just love how religion takes everything out of context. If you go read this in context, he's talking about the persecutions he suffered. He's talking about being a missionary out on the field, proclaiming the gospel, preaching the gospel, coming against religion and man-made's attempt to be right with God. And he says, because he does this, he dies daily. Paul wasn't speaking of dying to himself daily, as so often is taught from this verse, he was speaking of facing physical death on a daily basis. The Message Bible renders it this way. I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'd do this if I wasn't convinced of your resurrection and mine as guaranteed by the resurrection of Messiah Jesus? He says, I face death daily. I die daily. Every day is a new opportunity for me to physically die because of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And do you think that I would be out preaching the gospel, risking my life, if I wasn't totally assured, if I didn't know, intimately know and trust that we have a resurrection in Christ Jesus? So next time someone says, well, Paul says we have to die daily, and you need to die daily, you need to kill the old man, you you can teach them that, you know, That's not what he was talking about at all. Paul talked about us, we're already died in Christ Jesus, and we're new creations in Christ Jesus. So these scriptures used to say that we have to continue to kill our old sinful man, our old nature, is completely, they're completely out of context. So verse 6 says what? It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So we answered these questions. What is our old man? Our old man is our old sinful nature. What happened to it? It was crucified. When did it happen? When Jesus was crucified. Completely new. See, Jesus did not just fix you up. Jesus didn't do some reconstructive surgery. No, you were dead. There was nothing to fix up. You had no life in you. Religion does its best to try to resurrect the old man, to put a little lipstick and mascara and makeup on it, make it look that, that corpse look presentable. 
That's all religion is. Whenever you hear about someone saying you have to do, do, do to get God to, to accept you, to bless you, to, to be saved, to be born again, just picture them taking a corpse and putting lipstick and trying to make it look like it's not dead. Because that's the best religion has to offer. The best that religion has to offer is to dress up a dead corpse. Because you are dead in your, sin, your, your trespasses and sin. But he brought us to life. Jesus did not fix us up. I want you to think about this for a second. I, I thought this is great imagery to what has happened to us in Christ Jesus. From the very beginning, there was a garden in the, in the garden. There's trees, right? And so let's picture a tree, a big, beautiful, fruitful tree, a gorgeous tree. Each of us is picturing a tree in our head, right? A beautiful tree, strong. Let's say it's a fruit tree. You see fruit. I mean, gorgeous, gorgeous fruit on it. And all of a sudden, a weed, a serpent-like vine weed comes into the garden. And it comes to the tree and it wraps itself around the tree. And as it wraps itself around the tree, it starts embedding itself into the tree. Where soon the weed, the vine, the weed is getting all of its nourishment and, and substance and life from the tree. And because it's getting all of its substance and nourishment from the tree, the tree is weakened. The tree is starting to wither. The, tr the fruit is not bearing. It falls from the, before it can get fruitful, it falls from the branches. And it embeds itself to the point where it's impossible to remove the weed from the tree without killing it. That was humanity. The sinful nature has come into mankind to the point where it has entangled itself into man and has become their very nature. God never intended us to be this way. He, never, he didn't design us to be this way. But we have been engrafted into Adam, into the fallen sinful nature, to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Jesus had to, God had to do something. God could either kill all the trees or he could be one, become one for us. And in Christ Jesus, we were put into the tree of life on that cross. And he, he chopped down the trees. He ripped up the roots. Every, every trace of that tree was gone. He killed the tree. And in so doing, he killed the weed. He killed the sinful nature. And then he took a seed from the original tree and he planted it in the ground and it came to life to bear fruit of godliness. That is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. That is what God did. 1 Peter one twenty three, You have be, been regenerated Born again, 
Not from mortal origin, seed, sperm, but from one that is immortal by the ever-living and lasting word of God. You have been born again from that incorruptible seed of the word of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We were put into that word. We died in that word. We were buried in that word. We were resurrected in the word of God. The word of God, the word of faith that we proclaim has become life within you. And you have been born again. You have been crucified. The old sinful nature is gone. That tree has been uprooted. It has been destroyed. And now a new tree, a new life is now being blossomed, growing within you in Christ Jesus. You are not a sinner. You are not a sinner. Your identity has nothing to do with sinful nature. Knowing our new identity will make your circumstances new because you will approach them in a new way. A lot of you have been going through a, just a circular thing of being bad, sinning, Repenting, sinning, repenting, sinning. Well, there's also the condemnation and guilt that comes in there. You understand that knowing your identity will change those circumstances because you will approach them a new way. What's this new way? We need to learn to be a new person, to see yourself as a new person. We need to reprogram ourselves to respond to God rather than to react to our circumstances. And that's what we're going to look at next week. Next week, we're going, to answer, we're going to answer the question, why do Christians still sin? If we have this new identity, why do Christians still sin? But today, I just want you guys to be assured. I want you to know. Go home, get these scriptures out, and acquaint yourself with this. Start seeing yourself this way. See yourself as a new creation in Christ Jesus. See yourself as no longer a sinner. I mean, it's kind of a bad, bad example in this day and age, but the truth of the matter is, is why don't I... Put on a dress and high heels. Because I'm not a woman. So why, if, if, I, if, I can, if I'm convinced of that, why can't I convince myself that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus? And why would, why would Jesus sin? See, we see ourselves. We think that we have to sin. You might not come out and say that, but every... <laughs> If you have a habitual sin in your life, you think you're a slave to it. You think you have to do it. You don't have faith that you have been freed from it. And I, I don't know if you're getting this or not, but you have been, you, if, if you have a habitual sin in your life, something that is already, you think you're, you're under control of, that's, that's, under, that's controlling you, this should make you so happy. This should make you so excited. And as you start seeing yourself in this new identity, I mean, the reason why I don't sleep in the garage is because I'm not a car. Right? Do you see how it's so important to see your identity? 
What you believe about yourself is what you'll do. Right? There's some people that believe that that they're really a, a cat. And they act like a cat. I mean, there's some weird stuff out there. And it all comes to what they believe about themselves. Do you see how much our emotions affect our life and our identity affects life? If you find your identity in anything but Christ Jesus, it's going to destroy you. This whole, this whole um, homosexual thing, I don't, I don't even know what the right term is for it anymore. They've got so many acronyms for it. It's all about your identity. They want to demand people agree that they were born that way. That's fine. But God doesn't want to leave you that way. He wants you to be born again. And when you're born again, that old man is crucified. It's circumcised. It's gone. Now you need to see yourself in your new identity in Christ Jesus. If you're angry, if you're just an angry guy, guess what? When you're born again, you're no longer an angry guy. You have a new identity in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. All things have become new. No matter what it is, if, if you're a liar or a thief, it, I'm not, the, the reason why I brought up homosexuality is not because it's a greater sin than any other sin. It's just that that's a perfect example where they say that this is my identity. No one comes out and say, says, my identity is lying. My identity is stealing. My identity is bearing false witness, false with witness or hatred. But do you understand that? Any of those things in, that are operating in your life on a constant basis is your identity. It's how you see yourself. And Jesus says, that's not who you were. That's not who you are. That's not what I designed you for. That's not what I predestined you for. I predestined you from the, from the foundation of the earth to be in me, to look like Jesus. Some of you get angry with your kids. You have short tempers. And you just explode. And some of you, that's what you've seen from your parents. Guess what? That's not your identity. That identity was circumcised. It was crucified. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you see that? And I'm telling you, if you fail, guess what you get to do? You get to say, you get to repent. You get to say, you know what? That's not who I was. That's not who I'm, I am. That's who I was. That's not who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I might have tripped. I might have stumbled. I might have fell into an old rut of thinking. But right now, I repent from that way of thinking. And that's no longer who I am. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm an awesome mother. I'm an awesome Father, I have the fruit of the Spirit within me. I have patience. I have kindness. I have gentleness. I have love. I have self-control. Do you see how big this is? We have, it's not about disciplining yourself. It's not about setting up boundaries around you. So put a lock in the refrigerator so I can't be a glutton. 
That's what we try to do. That's, that's what we try to do to stop from sinning. But if you just say, wait a minute. I'm in control over my life. Food doesn't have control over me. I don't need to find my, my happy place in food. I am content in the Lord Jesus Christ. See yourself the way that God sees you. See yourself in control. It's your identity. It's your identity. Some of you, some of you have lived a certain way for so long that it's become, you think it's your nature. But it's not. Your nature is in Christ Jesus. Do you, see, do you see why this is so important? I mean, I could preach stuff to get you all excited. I mean, this should get you excited. But there's a lot to think about here. But if we can get this, if the church can get this, and they can see themselves in their new identity, it will, everything that you've ever hated about yourself, guess what? It's not you. It's not you. Isn't that awesome? That those things that you don't want no one to know about, those things that people do know about, that you can't stand, that if you could go over to a light switch and just turn them off and have nothing to do with them again, those parts of you that you think are disgusting, guess what? The good news is that's not you. That's a lie. You are in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation in Him. You, it's not you. Do you believe it? Do you believe it this morning that that's not you? That you are in Christ. You are filled with the fruit of the Spirit. You are filled with the, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We need to acquaint ourselves with the new. Every time you stumble, every time, because you're going to do this. You're going to leave here, and you're going to have the opportunity to walk in the unrenewed mind. And when you, walk, and when you stumble, I hope you don't, but you will. <laughs> don't worry. You just believed a lie for a little bit. Repent. Say you're sorry to whoever you got to say you're sorry to. And say, Jesus, that's not me. I resist that old man that was crucified and dead. I'm not going to live in the grave. I'm not going to try to resurrect the old man. I'm going to live in the newness of life that is found in Christ Jesus. And there will become temptations. I'm preaching next week's message. But there will become temptations from the outside trying to get in. Do you know that you can't be tempted? You know, the only person that is ever tempted is a born-again believer. The, ver the very idea that you're tempted to sin is proof that you're born again. There's a little insight. The very, if you're tempted to do something that's contrary to your nature in Christ Jesus, the very reason you're tempted is because that's not who you are. It's trying to tempt you to act accordingly. That's what Satan did to, to Jesus over and over. In the temptation, he tried to get him to act differently from his identity. If you are the Son of God, and he left out one, one major phrase, if you are the beloved Son of God, do this, do that, do this. He tried to get Jesus to, to be contrary to, to who God called. He was questioning 
Jesus' identity. And that's what temptation is. Temptation is just an opportunity for you to stand and boldly express my identity is in Christ. It is not in that temptation. I'll shut up. It, 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 it kind of saddens me. And don't feel bad if you're in this place because years ago I was in that place. It saddens me that we have, that people that's been going to church for years do not know this. Do not know this. When this is the very foundational foundation of the, of the gospel. This is the finished work of Jesus. This is what Jesus came to do. But we're not going to stay there. We, we're, we're getting to a knowing, right? We're becoming intimate with this truth. It's becoming part of our nature, identity. Right? Amen. Father, we just love you. We thank you. We thank you for the finished work of Jesus Christ. That in Christ, that old tree was chopped down with, with, its, with its entangled, poisonous, destructive weed that was entangled into it. And you put the incorruptible word of of God in our heart and has become a seed that has produced a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things, that old tree has been done away with. It has been burnt. It has been left. It's at ashes. It's gone in Jesus' name. And a new tree is growing up from within. The tree of life that is rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. And this new tree is healthy. It's strong. It's producing fruit of righteousness. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this awesome work that you are our conqueror. You went and fought our battle for us and you brought the spoils back to share. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would convict us through the Holy Spirit of our righteousness in Christ Jesus, that you would convict us to this knowing that we are new creations in Christ Jesus, that our old man was crucified and that we were resurrected in new life in him. Give us a hunger to know this. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved highly favored and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.